0: This year is going to count. I think we have some things facing us, and this stuff is, I know it's, it's put in there, and we've got a tradition of having it, but there are great wells to tap into to strengthen your faith as the year goes on. Say amen to that, right? Amen. Like you mean it? Amen. Oh, I just want to check. All right. Look, because I, mean, I do believe there's a lot at stake this year, and I think having your heart set on true north is going to be very important for everybody's gonna have different assignments in different places, in the workplace, in your neighborhoods, and I believe having the word of the Lord or the heart of God in kindness and love, acceptance and tolerance, as well as speaking the truth and love is going to be very important. If you are wavering or moving back and forth, you're going to be reacting to our world situation rather than responding to the kingdom of God and God's direction in your life. So these things are there to give us an anchor as the men pull together, as we have a conference, but also every day coming together in this place. Amen? All right. Anything else I want to forget about? And the Bible app's really cool. We got addicted to it. It's pretty cool. So Look, when you come in this house, this is a chance for you to connect to reality. All the other stuff is smoke and mirrors. I just want to say it to you out there. I'm not being weird or denial or cultish or blinded or in a bubble, but the kingdom of God makes us love better, longer, and all kinds of different people. It helps us bring the relief to people's lives as well as assimilating or bringing that relief into our own life for freedom not to be a perfect little person that's ridiculous but to be a real person full of love in a journey moving through your life and getting answers so you're free you're able to love you're able to care for others you're able to see through the junk and see into their hearts that's what we do when we gather something supernatural and holy happens as the saints gather together we worship in the reality of who God is enters our hearts and begins to put in order our own soul the things we care about the things we Don't care about it. Rearranges and all of a sudden we find ourselves saying, "There, oh man, you feel the peace." These things happen with more than words. Would you agree with me? So I just want to tell you, it's a big deal, and it happens all over the planet. And God is all about, and He is, He's all about it. And His kingdom isn't shrinking or getting less relevant. Not a chance. It is more relevant, and it is expanding constantly. More people are getting saved, getting delivered, getting baptized, getting filled with God, getting their lives centered and healed. And people are watching that happen, and they're going to them like, "What happened to you?" That's what I hope people do to you. What is your deal? Well, <laughs> Let's get a cup of coffee and I'll talk about it, man. Seriously. All right. I just need to tell you that I need you to hear it and think it, because we got all kinds of things going on. 21 days in. What, do we only have like 340-some left? Let's go. (laughs) It's all good. Father, bless this word we share today. I pray, God, that we would be breaking through to where you want us to be. We ask for your grace. We ask for your power to be poured out on us. We're paying attention in Jesus' name. Amen? It's my honor to share with you and launch about First Fruits today, so I need you to look at me and f- hear these words, okay? Because it's not just about an offering, it's about a way of life that you're going to drive a stake into the ground. We have a video and testimony about it, and am going to share it with you right now from the great Emily and Sam Kramer. Amen.
1: So around this time last year, I was working at a public school in Reading, which is about an hour away from here. And I knew that I was going to need to change jobs in the next school year, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was in a very intense classroom, so I was feeling kind of burnt out, honestly considering not even going back into teaching because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And so on our first fruits, one thing that we put was that we would find wisdom, clarity, provision for a job for me. So we put it down, We've been praying about it a lot, like many months prior. And as soon as we wrote it down on our first fruits, we got introduced to Rachel and David Darol. Rachel DeRoll is the principal of Sequoia Christian School. At the time, I had no idea who she was. I had no idea that she was going to be the principal. Um, So we just thought we were meeting some pretty cool people. Emily was just kind of mentioning how she was going to, or that she wanted to leave her
0: job. And then... You know, Rachel was like, well, you know, we are starting a school. (laughs) I was like, oh, well, this makes so much sense now.
1: Honestly, our jaws dropped because it was just so close in timing that it couldn't be a coincidence. So like, okay, Lord, Sequoia Christian School, what does that mean for me? And then um, it came to the women's conference and I've been really struggling. Like, what am I supposed to do? I had really rough days, feeling really burnt out, just ready to not go back into teaching. And at the women's conference, they give um, a prophetic Bible verse and then also a prophetic word. And the Bible verse that I got was Psalm seventy-one eighteen, which says, "Do not forsake me, God, till I proclaim your power to the next generation, your mighty acts for all who are to come." And that was another like thing that the Lord gave me of confirmation, like, "No, you are supposed to be teaching this next generation." And then the prophetic word that I got was sustained. So I was like, "Whew!" Lord, okay. So just sustaining me in my job and keeping me in teaching. So then a week later, I interviewed for the school, and I ended up taking the position. And that was within a month of writing it down for First Fruits.
0: We're not giving money because we want a certain outcome. We're giving money because it's... It's what it's what God deserves, and He deserves our best. And you know, when you're you're seeking His kingdom and seeking Him first, all these other things are taken care of for you. Um, and you know, being generous and giving is is part of seeking His kingdom. And they're awesome. Emily and, and Sam Kramer—they're a great first service and. In- that's the most I've ever heard him speak. It's amazing. He's such a big, cool football, college football player. She's wonderful. She's a wonderful teacher. Came from the, uh, the, the public schools and came to joined us. By the way, I just want to say, I think there's some great public school teachers out there that are believers, loving God. They're great. Brent Cashman, Matt Billman, many others. You're out there, and we're just praying for you. Thanks for being a beacon of light. We are wonderfully blessed to have Emily join us and to see her journey of uh, faith. You know, when we started the school, we had no clue what, who would be in our body. We just, like, candidated the most amazing and onboarded some of the most amazing teachers and people. We are thrilled with it. So thrilled. We're praying for all schools. We're praying for great educations, but we sure love Sequoia. That's really good. So amen, right? So, all right, look, this scripture starts out with Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. This is our first fruit scripture. If you've never heard about it. And you've been here, I don't know what's going on with you, but if you've never heard about it, I want to teach you about it. Okay. Honor the Lord with your possessions, the first fruits of your labors are increased, so your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats may overflow with wine. I'm not gonna park it here, but just a couple of things. We're doing this with a first fruit, trusting God. What is this offering about? It's more than an offering. It's a stake in the ground about what you believe God has for you this year. Of course, in general, we're going to serve in the rest of our life, and he's going to take over the planet. But this year, what does he have for you? So we're requiring, we're encouraging you, we're prompting you, we're coaching you to think of what God has in front of you this year. And with your desires and God's will, together, together, then you are tending to, in faith, seeing that God would bring that to fruition. You're banking on his character and trusting him with putting that desire in you and your desires to see it come through. Say amen. amen. So I need you to think about this. Now, in this, it's such a powerful thing. It says our barns will be filled. With, um, with, will be filled. So that means we'll have resources, not just resources stuff, which I do believe God brings us more than enough stuff, like finances, all the things we have, but he also gives us, us more in our soul, our mind, little emotions, more than enough love, more than enough forgiveness, more than enough, more than enough grace to extend to people. So that's what I'm believing for this year. The things that irritated me or stopped me or hindered me will not hinder me this year because I'm believing God to change me on the inside out. Hello? Have a few of those things in front of God. Wouldn't that be a good idea? Oh, yeah, Come on. Let's go. Wake up. I know you got your coffee, okay? So seriously, those are the things we're looking for. Our barns will be filled. Our vats will be filled with wine, which I, I have a wine cooler in my house. Not that I drink wine. And for all those who don't drink, that's great. You know what I mean? But uh, I do. And, and I like it. But I can't imagine having a vat. Like it's, then I have to have an estate because vats only fits in estates. Anyway, I love this whole thought. It's okay. It's my imagination. You're all right. It's okay. Don't, but anyways, vats is speaking of new wine, which certainly means the spirit, the refreshing of God the presence of God, the revelation of God. So I'm just thinking about my life or just following through my life, but I'm falling more and more in love with God. I'm starting to see who he is in my life, see who he is in the earth, see who he is in other people's lives. So just talking about a refreshing of the spirit that's constant coming into your life that you like it, you enjoy it. Not that I have to do it, it's I get to do it. (laughs) Come on, right? This is what we're living for. You're already at a crazy, bizarre church. Let's just dive all the way in in. Let's jump off the high dive. Come on. Quit looking like January's all over your face. Come on, let's go. This is the best time to dig in. This is when the whole earth, all the roots go down deeper in the northeast. I don't know what's happening in Florida. But anyway, here, it's digging in. This is a great season. You know this, people, right? See, it's a grave from the end of November all the way to March and April. It's a time to dig in. Like, let's dig in with our roots. Let's dig in with our fresh dis- disciplines, but also our life. Like, God, I'm going to refresh myself in you. One of the things I'm concerned about this generation is the indifference. Who's I speaking to? Kevin Ellsworth the other day. He said, man, the, the millennials, the, the indifference is so intense on them. Not picking on you, but it floods us. Like, oh, well, it's, it's, it's going to be the same. Going to an election. Yeah, no, no. Come on. Let's go into our life with expectation, with believing God, with refreshing. One of the things we used to pray around here, wasn't it, Brian? I'm desperate to be desperate. God, I'm sick of myself not caring. That's what we're praying. And I need you to help me make me care. How to do that? Read your Bible. Read your Bible just like you're eating your cereal. And off through the day, it'll be like, oh, it shakes you, wakes you, makes you care, like halfway through the day when you didn't care before. I am not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. When you read that word, it makes you care put it in, shove it in, stick it in, any way you want to do it. Amen. 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 Huh. Okay. <laughs> 20 minutes and you people are just at a yawn. Here we go. Let's go. All right. Seriously. All right. Flip your pages over a few more pages. The first Kings chapter 17. Now, in this offering, we have seen births. We've seen people who weren't pregnant get pregnant, couldn't get pregnant, get pregnant. We're believing for a few. We had a couple answers this end of this year that I've been praying for a hundred times. So glad they're pregnant. I'm not going to tell you about them, but you can find out about them, all right? So look for the rumors. It's all good, all right? These are good rumors. And I'm praying for a few more that I just believing. in. We saw kids burn. We saw birth. We saw adoptions that were miracle adoptions, miracle births. We saw marriages being healed. We saw marriages where people weren't married and now they're married and happy. All right? They didn't join misery, they joined happiness, okay? Got it, all right? So seriously, we saw houses being broken through. In 2020, we saw 25 houses that there's no way they could have gotten those good deals, and people got deals and got homes that they shouldn't have gotten, at rates they shouldn't have gotten. It was the worst year in real estate, and we saw 25 homes come into this house that people believed for. So that's amazing. <laughs> seriously. We've seen reconciliation relationships. We've seen prodigals come home. People are like, whoa, you came. You're here. You're different. It's amazing. We've seen all these things. We've seen devotion increase in this house, giving increase in this house over the years since we started this first fruits offering because people took it into their hearts as a prophetic action. Like, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you specifically for what you've called me to, and I'm going to see it come about. And I'm going to put part of my stuff, part of me, my blood, sweat, and tears, which is represented in finances, and I'm going to put it at your feet, trusting in your character, trusting you call me. I'm going to walk this out together with you. That's a big deal. That changes who you are rather than just one offering. Of course, we talk about it. I hope it moves you and moves God. Seriously, if it doesn't, if it's just automatic, I'll still take it. Obedience is still good. But when you... When you pour on the fertilizer of faith and trust in God, oh my. Come on, read your Bibles. God is all about exponential growth. He's good with it. He'd love to ruin you in a good way with all the good things that are happening to you. Understand how I say that, not really. He wants to overbless you. Of course he does. We wanna be the blessed in the earth. That's not weird. We wanna have more than enough to share with others. And we do share. And we do give and we do expend ourselves for others because God's our source, not, our, not our, our math. All right. This is a great story. You're going to love it, whether you like it or not. Here we go, all right? <laughs> all right. This is a story of Elijah and the widow woman he goes to see. And you know this story that God, actually, I love it. In 1 Kings 17, God gives a word to Uh, Elijah saying, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you at Zarephath. And so he goes there, of course, and I'm moving down verse 10 to 11. Please bring me a little water. He meets this woman, and he says, bring me a little water and a cup to drink. And then she's going to get the water. He says, oh, also, would you bring me a morsel of bread in your hand? And I absolutely love her response. I love stuff in the Bible. I hope you read in between the lines. She says, as the Lord God lives, really, I don't have bread. I don't have bread has only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar, and I'm going to go gather a few sticks. <laughs> I mean, this girl is not having a good attitude. Is that right? You would never be like that on the inside. Really, God? Really? We're going to do this again? Really? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to prepare for myself. and for my son. I'm going to eat it and die. She's having not a bad day. She's having a bad month, a bad year. Okay? Seriously. And she is discouraged, and she's giving up, right? In fact, she's preparing to die. And then what does he say to her? He said, don't fear, which is great, because maybe she will. Don't fear, but go and do what you have said, really. Go make the food and die. That's just so funny. And bring it to me, and afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. And then he gives her a word that the flour won't run out, nor will the oil, until the Lord makes it rain. does not that true? And so she does obey him in verses, go on, verses 14 and 15. She does obey, and the flour doesn't run out, or the oil doesn't run out, right? Great story. So a couple things here to pull over, okay? Just take a look. Two things. One, one is that she put God first. It seemed that Elijah was telling her something so arrogant and so selfish. Like, here's the man of God. He shows up in the town. Here he is lounging in a chair. People are starving, walking by. They're desperate. He seems totally obli- oblivious to it. Calls out to this poor woman, hey, 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 can you get me some water there? And then, hey, man, I'm, would you make me a cake? Make you a cake? Seriously? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, then he says this word to her because he and God have already had a plan for this woman. It's not about him eating people, please. It's about him working with her. He's sent there to make a difference in this woman's life. Isn't that amazing? Do you think God knows you're sitting right there with your whole attitude and everything right now? You are so wrong. He knows everything about you, what got you here this morning, what you you did on Friday night, and what you're doing to do the rest of the day. He knows. He's a little cheater. He's a little outside of time, time, which bugs me a little bit, but I tell him this all the time. Like, sure, you're outside of time. Anyway, but anyway, so look, (laughs) some things I shouldn't share, I guess. (laughs) They're just things in my mind. (laughs) Anyway, but he's ahead of this. So He's doing this, and first thing she does is he's commanding her to put God first. This is a huge principle in Scripture. How many know this is true? I know, now you're going to get my yawns and all this stuff, but, you know, seek God, seek the God, what is it, Matthew 6, 33, it's your deal. Seek first the kingdom of God. There's the word first, I'm so happy. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Yeah, you love this word anyway, so... (laughs) But this is a serious proof in our life. When we put God first, there's an order that begins immediately to come inside of our souls and our lives. That we put him first, bam, when we do that, first. But I'm not talking about just in duty. I'm talking about in your will, in your heart, that I lift him up. I will make him first. I will care about him more than the things that I tend to care about, that, that crowd my life. I'm going to put him first. I'm going to think about him first. I'm going to do the first things first. The rest of the stuff you can do. If you like country music, you like Cheerios, what do I care? Do whatever you want, but put God first. It's really important. I'm not just preaching, I'm telling you the principles that have changed our lives. Okay? So God's in principle, through scripture, everywhere puts God first. He says, come on, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Mark 12, love the Lord your God with your heart with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? I'll speed up here in a little bit. It'll be faster <laughs> for you. So we know put these things first, okay? Wasn't it in Revelation that, that, that the Spirit of God came against men saying you've lost in first, Revelation 2, 4? I have this against you. You've lost your first love. Did some great things, but but we didn't have any chemistry. We didn't have any romance. You know, I really like being loving Pat, but I like being in love with Pat a lot better. A lot better. And then I promise, that makes me feel that she will love me back sometimes. So anyway, so, but our job's first. Guys are first. All right, so anyway, so we put God first. This is an important principle of our life. Just so many other things. Uh, Hebrews 12, lay aside every weight and sin that's set before us, and looking at Jesus, keeping him preeminent. Come on, how many know this is true? Yeah. Right, these are scriptures that come right out of us. So this first, so as grouchy as she is, she does it. She tends to him first. She didn't say, wait, I'll make my cake first, or you're a loser, I'll check you out later on. She does it, doesn't she? Which brings me to my next big punt Pull off and say, she obeyed. How important is obedience? Even a little obedience is good. Does she have an attitude? Yes, but she obeys, doesn't she? Come on, 1 Samuel 15, 22. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Oh, now look, this is something I can't do for you, but you have to weigh into your heart. Are you sacrificing or are you obeying? I don't know. I don't know. Is it a big deal? Yeah, it is. Sacrifices can pump you up and think that you're acquiring or accomplishing something. Obedience really usually ruins your day, okay? Is that all right to say that? Because <laughs> it has to deal with what you want to do. You can pick your sacrifice, but obedience is just a pain in whatever you choose, okay? So it is. Obedience is so important in our life. Do you know that he learned obedience through the things he suffered? Hebrews 5.8. What a great scripture. What kaboom that Jesus, the living word of God, flesh and God, mixed together, had to walk through obedience, had to learn obedience through the things he suffered. So when issues came, he reached to obedience to find the answer and to grow. And he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Luke 2:52. But he did it by obedience. That is powerful. That is foundational. What is your key to walking in a life that's free? Start with that. That little bit of obedience. This year, think about that. How important is obeying? I think it's in Philippians 12:2, verse 12. It talks about, "You obey me in my presence, you obey me in my absence. But take, it's what it's really saying is take that obedience and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, the only way to walk through this salvation road is through the key of obedience in our lives. Don't discount the smallest amount of obedience, the turning to God. God is looking for it. I'm going to prove that today, how important that is. Ah, there's so much. You can't serve two masters, you, you know, the field of the, has a great treasure in it, these things, the pearl of great price, all represents that you, when you find God, you know him, you divert, divest yourself of all issues on a regular basis so that you can follow him. Well, I go to church, John, I'm following God, I, but this is, this is a God first in obedience that is passionate in pursuit of him. It's not just duty and, and automatic. That's the difference. Sometimes the difference between being a disciple and just being saved. This is me, not you. And I don't say it's theologically, but I think a lot of people are saved. I don't know if a lot of people are in the kingdom of God where his love is ruling their lives and they are thriving, not surviving. That's a big difference. I get sick and tired of existing and just surviving. Gets me grouchy, okay? But thriving... Two steps, one inch, I'm good. I could chase that, but I hope you can chase it in your head. You got to think, okay? But one inch, two inches makes a difference. And all of a sudden, you're a different place than you were last week. Gosh, so amazing. All right. So, look, this is the two things that happen. So, she puts God first, then she obeys, and great. All of a sudden, she has provision in the time of need. Good, end of story. That's good. Way to go. Thank you very much. Move on. Oh no, we're not going to move on. Oh no, no, take a look. Does anybody know the story? Let's go to verse 17. This is so great. And it happened that these things the son of the woman, not that her son died, but what happens here, who owned the house, became sick. Her son became sick. The sickness was so serious, there was no breath in him left. He died. Now, what does her son represent? He represents her promise and her seed and her future. Everything. What is she living for if she's not living for that? What did the first few scriptures go if it wasn't about this? This is her continuance. This is her hope. This is her dream. And what does she do? She goes to the man of God and says, Look, verse 18. What have I to do with you, O man of God? What's up with this? Have you come to me to bring my son, my sin, to remembrance of me, to kill my son? So you know I'm a loser, so now you're throwing it in my face. And my failures have caused this to happen. And he says, give me your son. And she does. And we know the story that he lays the son, takes him upstairs and lays the son out, and he lays himself on the son and stretches himself. I love that. Stretches himself onto the son. And then he cries out to God. And of course, he does this. We know God hears in the verses, and he, he raises him up. His breath comes in. He revives, and he brings the son down. Here is your son. He lives. And then she says this, which is so great, at the very end, verse 24. Staying with me. Hey, are we good? All right. You're probably reading the the thing. Now by this I know that you're a man of God and that the word of God is in your mouth that is truth. She moves from a place of obedience now. She moves to a place of absolutely sure and knowing faith. I know that you are the truth. A lot of us can go through this year and just stay in obedience, but if you don't embrace the proving, now there is a proving in all of our lives. I'm sorry, every word of God is proven. Proverbs 30. There's no way to get out of being proved. In Galatians five, 6, verse 4, every man's work should be proven. The, they should be proved. That is the King James version of it, not the new King James version of it. There's so many places about proving that is amazing. Even in Malachi 3, verses 10, all about tithing. God says, let their, let, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Look at me. I can tell you these words. You can just watch me say it to them. It's okay. Don't read about it. Okay, so just look at it. Okay, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if fifth right back, they're watching the screen. It's like, get your money's worth. I'm right here and live. It's okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> Look at me. So. <laughs> Bring all the tithe in the storehouse and then maybe food from, for my, in my house. Try me. Prove me. Test me in this. That's powerful. God's saying, I double dog dare you do it. Do it in obedience without faith. Do it with faith. Either way, you do it. I'm going to prove it. Now, the testings of God happen in our lives. Test, tempt, examine, prove, okay? But tempting, we're not talking about the tempting like the enemy tempts to ruin you. God tempts to prove you. God tempts to say, if you believe me, I promise my word will do what it's called to do inside of you. And you will be changed and people will see it. Because it says also in Romans chapter 12, It says, be conformed and be don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing your mind. One of your favorite scriptures, Brian. And it says, why? Because it'll prove what is good, good first, that's good. Men will see the goodness of God just because he's good. And then it'll prove what is his acceptable will in this earth. And what will be? You will be his acceptable will. People see you and go, that's something different right there. I feel better when I'm around you. I like talking to you, you know? There's something about you that's good and that can see the will of God moving through your life. They may not say it with words, but they're going to know it with your life. Yeah. But that proof has to happen. Jesus, when in Matthew 4, when he was driven, led, pushed into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy, oh yeah, it says that right there. Yeah, right there it says it. There you go. It's, that's what happens. So if he doesn't get off the hook, well, you are going to be you? How, how do you think you're going to be? And if you can ignore the problem, then come, just embrace the situation you're in and say, God, you're gonna, do you have an answer in here somewhere? Yes, right. Now, this is not a nice situation. Her son dies. He's gone. That's devastating. It's a ruin of her, of her whole life. And she begins by running back to the man of God and blaming herself. And then he says, give me the son. Oh, man, this is so good. Her confusion is that she thinks that her failures are blocking or ruining her success. But the truth is, the seed of her small obedience is enough for God to overcome in her life. We spend so much time looking at our past like not, 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 fail, 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 I'll never, never, never... If you could just give him a little bit, just a little bit, give him something to work with and God will move you from point A to point B. I swear to him. I swear to God. He'll do that. But you got to believe it. You got to hold on to that. So she obeyed and she put him first. But she does two more things here that are stunning. She goes to have the argument with the man of God. When her son died, she didn't go like make funeral plans and like, oh, move town, pack up the house or leave her faith or leave her faith. Or leave her relationship with God and get so mad she won't talk to him. But she goes and talks to him. She goes and has the argument. She goes and contends. She says, I'm going to have that argument with him. Her argument's wrong based, but it's an argument. I just read in Job 13 verse 15. Though ye slay me, yet I will trust him. And then it says, but I will make my defense before the Lord. Well, actually the translation means you can do all this to me. But one, I'm going to stay in front of you. But the other one, I'm going to have my argument in front of you. I'm going to bring my case before you. One of the translations says face to face. Some of you, man, quit. quit. Make the argument. It's for you. God knows what's going on with you. He wants your faith. He wants your confrontation. He wants you face to face. He wants you to talk to him about it. He needs you to walk it out, talk it out, and have the argument with him so he can bring you to faith. The next thing he does is then she gives him the son. Why wouldn't she say, you can't touch him. You've ruined him. You said you didn't. You can't have it. But she didn't say that. She gave it to him. Now in giving it to him, she's not not walking away. She's trusting God with that. Oh, man. Come on. Have you ever had a God, have God, had God, not a God, the God, persuade you in something about yourself, about a destiny, about a purpose, about a situation, about a person you've held before him, which is amazing thing is to hold somebody before the Lord when they can't hold themselves before the Lord. And there's some, maybe they're putrid, maybe they're rebels, maybe they're a prodigal, and then you still, you can't make it work out. And it, even though you know God spoke to you about it. But you can't make it happen. There's a point there where you have to give it back to God, but not let go of it. This is so weird. But you can't let go of it in your heart. Like, God, I can't make this happen. I've had this happen. And then have God stretch himself out on your problem, stretch himself out on your promise, and see it come to life. Oh, man. I have seen this in my life. I have experienced it with my stuff, with my home, with my sons, that they got to a place I couldn't do anything for them but I couldn't let go of them. Yeah. Or I couldn't do anything with my situation. But God, you stretched yourself on it and you spoke. And I remember the words you spoke to me and they came back to life in me and my situation changed. Come on, this, is, this moves you from obeying to absolutely knowing. Oh, this is so amazing when we do this. This is the course of our life. There will be a promise. We will go into us. We will obey. We will make them first. But there will be a test. And don't snap out of it. It's, you, there has to be one. Because there has to be a change in you that when the next test comes, you know God will navigate a way through it. So we get less and less shifted by our circumstances, tossed to and fro by every other way people do things and say, God, no, I know. Because you did this here, you did this there, you did this with this person, you did this in this situation. And for all the ones you didn't come through, I'm still believing. I'm not denying, I'm overcoming. I've seen you overcome. When I couldn't, when I was wrung out, when I didn't know what to say, when I didn't know how to act, when I didn't know how to behave. When I didn't know, but I knew that you were there. That's what this woman lived through. She had the argument, she gave him back. And man, when that guy brought that child back down, she was a different person. You don't think that city changed? I wish I could find out in history what happened to this woman. Because something, God loved her enough not to let it go over there in verse 15 to 16 where there was provision in the need. Oh, you like that? I'm gonna show you some more. When there's no chance, I can change it. And I'm gonna use your life to prove it. Just stay with me. Don't give up with me. You had a failed business that didn't go right? I know that's true in this place. But maybe God has a greater call, but the same things, the same desires you have in that business, could they be in a greater place? And could it be hard to do it? Yes. Absolutely. Go back to the calls in your life, go back to what God has for you this year. Go back to what he's done. Remember that he is able to stretch himself out on your promise and make it come to life. I'm telling you, I've lived this in my life. I've seen it happen. And I'm believing it for this house. This is more than an offering. This is a stake in the ground for what God has for you in your life. And it's this year upon next year upon next year. It's for us. God hardly needs our money but it sure is great to use it on my side. <laughs> no, but I, but I understand, I'm not saying it facetiously. I'm saying it eternally. I'm saying that God, he, he wants something from you this year. Give him something to work with. Your little, your little obedience in flour and oil mixed with a few sticks of faith and trust will change your life. And God's not looking at the whole of your mess. (laughs) I mean, how you're messed up. He's looking at the the crook that you hold on to with him. And he'll meet you right there, I swear. What do we have in front of him? Shake yourself out of indifference or apathy. Refresh, renew, read your word. Let your life come, let your heart come back to you. Let God have his way. There's things we can't do, but things he's so stinking good at. Let's get on with this. Lives, your life, your family, your friends, your enemies hang in the balance. And so many others who are watching your life, you have no idea. And the seed you just sow in from generation to generation, come on. Let's stand up. believing for this year and as you go into this year make a make a thanksgiving list from last year all the things he did it may take you a couple of weeks because we live in the moment of our need but it usually takes me a few weeks just to go back like oh man you're awesome you did that you did that it's softening your soul before the Lord come on This is a great body, a great community of faith. I absolutely love it. But I love pursuing God and finding out more. I like being changed. There's so many parts of myself I'm dissatisfied with and I can't change. And there's so much more of God to understand, learn, and grow in. But there is a road in front that starts at the top of the mountain and goes through a valley that's just the way it is. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Not you can do it. I have overcome the world is what Jesus says. So come be with me and I'll show you how. I'll show you the rhythms of grace. Keep it before him. Let him speak to you. Father, we come before you in, in need, in hunger, in indifference. But we're here. Like that woman, we were here. You might say, really? We might blame you. We might blame ourselves. God, get our hearts on the right track, we ask. You are so good at this. at drawing us out give us the grace to pay attention pay attention give us the simplest of obedience little flour the little oil simplest of trust just a little bit sticks to burn them God take us from one place to another ruin the sin that hinders us the distractions that dull us all those indulgences. Let your voice call us home every day. Wake with you. Close our days with you. We belong to you. We believe you this year. We believe you for so much. We ask that you pour out on us. Amen. Amen. Appreciate your hearts coming in this morning. Make a plan. Just a simple step in His direction. In the next few days, do that. Give Him something to work with. We'll be different in a year. All of us. Okay? All right. We'll bless you. I'm going to release you if you would like healing or prayer or, or you like to draw a line and just step up here and say, God, I'm moving towards you. Whatever you want, we'll be here to pray for you. Great ministry team, people that are prayed up, humble, and just could stand beside you. Otherwise, bless you. Now to him is able to keep you from falling. That's a miracle. Present you blameless before the Father. That's refreshing. <laughs> I bless you all. Have a great Sunday, a great January. Look forward to these months ahead. Amen. Give me an amen. All right. Thank you. Good afternoon.